All right, everybody, pay attention. Class is in session. This is the fourth lecture in Understanding Probability and Statistics. This is William Briggs from WMBriggs.com. That's W-M-B-R-I-G-G-S.com. We've just about finished up talking about logic. We need a little bit more, uh, unfortunately, but this is the fun stuff. This is where it starts to get a little perplexing. Again, we can't cover everything. I can't, uh, I can't do everything in detail in lecture form, so the class notes are available. You could search for them by using the word chapter on the website, and somewhat loose form, they're posted, and the class notes are on the left as well if you want to get them. All right, we've been talking all along about logical arguments. We've used a certain syllogism, and we're going to use it again. Uh, we're going to change these formats. I'm going to change the format of the lecture a bit. I think uh, I'm going to try to make them a little bit shorter, a little bit pithier. I'm going to change the other podcasts as well. Stay tuned to the station, and I'll discuss all of that. Uh, announcements about what I'm going to be doing in the future. Uh, some changes are coming. All right, let's talk about the one argument that we've been using as an example. And we'll talk about randomness and then finally some examples. All right, so if I have a die, and I know that it has six sides, only one of which is labeled six, I know I'm going to throw it, and only one side can show. Now, conditional on, or given that, or supposing that information is true, the probability of the conclusion a six will show is one in six, or one-sixth, or about 0.17, however you like. And some people ask the very natural question, uh, uh, especially if they've had statistics classes in the past, and you'll notice this in every single introductory book, and, and not just that, in a lot of, uh, of non-introductory books as well, whether they're talking about coins or dice, they'll say, imagine we're tossing a fair die or an unloaded die. Now think about what that means. The reason we don't add that information, that it is a fair die or an unloaded die or coin or whatever, is because that information assigns a probability, does it not? It says in the premise, it says fair means every side is equally likely to, to show. Is that not correct? Uh, whether it's a coin or a die, if I say this is a fair or an unbiased, I am saying every side is equally likely to show. And then I have the conclusion a certain side shows and the probability of that is one in six for a die or one half for a coin. That conclusion, that probability then becomes circular. The argument is still valid. A circular argument is a valid argument. Uh, it is just not a very interesting argument. The conclusion becomes true that the probability is one-sixth for a die and one, or one-half for a coin. It's just a very boring argument. If I have the logical phrase A, and A stands for some proposition or statement, and I conclude from that A, that is to say, given A, A is true, that is a valid argument. It's just a very boring argument. It is a circular argument. And so this is why we do not add information that we have a fair die in front of us. Now we still haven't moved to real die, real dice, real coins. What do we do about those sort of things? Well, then we move back into the realm of reality. So how do we take and map 
the logical statements that we have, that we have a six-sided object, only one side can show, only one side is painted a six, uh, and so forth. And how do we apply that to real dice? Well, we're going to talk about that in the future. We haven't come to that yet. So I think though we have all of our apparatus that we need. In the, in the class notes, we also uh, introduced, or I, I, I keep saying this royal damn we, and I, I should cut that out because I can't stand it when other people do it and I find myself doing it just because I'm mimicking. It's supposed to soften things, but I don't believe it does. In fact, I think it's just annoying. Uh, so I'm probably annoying you and I apologize for that. I know I'm annoying myself. So I have in the class notes uh, a sort of brief, exceedingly brief primer on Boolean algebra, uh, particularly the notation and so forth. And I don't think we need to go into that too much. It just introduces how I write certain phrases and how those phrases can be manipulated in an easy way on paper. And sometimes that's just the thing, but uh, when we're talking informally like this, we don't actually need it. So we'll skip it, but it's there if you need it. Let's talk about some uh, examples. There are several in the book. There are some trivial ones. Maybe we could start with a trivial one. If, this is a popular one, if three out of four dentists prefer, what am I drinking right now? Let's see here. I am drinking uh, Veldensteiner Wiesbeer. Veldensteiner Wiesbeer. So if three out of four dentists, and why dentists would care, I don't know, but let's suppose that three out of four dentists prefer Veldensteiner Wiesbeer. What is the probability, given that information, that your dentist prefers this same beer? Well, strictly based on that information, three out of four dentists prefer and you have a dentist in front of you, the probability is, of course, three out of four, or 75%. We haven't added any information, uh, any other exterior information, such as you might know that your dentist is a teetotaler. And if that's the case, obviously he wouldn't prefer the beer at all. He wouldn't prefer any beer, any alcoholic drink. But that's not part of the information we are assuming true. You can't this is a huge mistake people make all the time when they're criticizing logical probability in particular. They'll say a certain conclusion that we're talking about. I'm not going to get into any of these examples, but they will say a certain conclusion that we're talking about is absurd because, of course, they have other information. Well, that other information isn't part of the logical argument. If the other information was part of the log logical argument, then the criticism disappears. And I'll point to what you can read in literature if you find this, uh, Laplace's rule of succession. I'll, I guess I'll briefly talk about this. He applied uh, a logical probability argument to the probability the sun will rise, given that he has noticed it, it has risen in, I've forgotten how many years, 4,000 years or whatever it was. And so he calculated the probability that it uh, will rise the next day using this rule of succession to some fairly high probability number, but not nearly certain. And this is criticized as, oh, we know damn well the sun's going to rise tomorrow. We have a lot more. Well, they're adding in information that wasn't part of Laplace's rule, which is the sun will rise or it won't. And there's only two things that can happen. And he started from that and he built this rule of succession. 
and everybody added information that wasn't part of the original list of premises. So you need to be very clear, and we'll always be very clear, very explicit about what our premises are. Okay, so lots of information and lots of uh, simple situations, particularly gambling, fit into a nice logical probability framework. Uh, others are more difficult, and we'll come to them in time, uh, particularly using continuous numbers. So enough of that. All right, uh, there's a class of folks out there. They call themselves relativists, moral relativists, uh, multiculturalists. I can tell you that one out of one Briggs does prefer this beer. It's very good. Multiculturalists, uh, some of them, or perhaps all of them, uh, believe a very curious thing. They say, they say, of course, there is no truth. Well, this is their uh, this is their premise. It is taken as a given with them, and so let's have the conclusion: there is truth. Uh, if the statement is true that there is no truth, then the statement is false. If there is truth, then the statement that there is no truth is false on its fact. And if it is true, the statement itself can't be true because then we have something is true. So what we have proven through this is that these people, when they believe this sort of thing, or at least when they say they believe sort of something like this, they're believing something that is paradoxical and therefore nonsensical, and that there has to be truth. Now, we haven't quite proven that as, uh, as easily as it seems, because the, the steps we used in that argument, uh, that is to say, let's go through that a little bit slower. Uh, if someone says this statement uh, that there is no truth is true, then that statement is false. Now, we could all see that it's very easy, but just making that statement means we believe in the validity of that logical process that moved us from having this statement in front of us to saying that it's absurd and therefore false. So we must have some sort of mechanism. We must have this first-order logic uh, accepted as true, or at least... Uh, just that little step that we moved from saying it is false has to be part of something that we accept as true. So we can never get away from all this intuition that we talked about in the previous lectures. It's still hiding there. We haven't proven that there is any such thing as truth, but uh, we've proven that uh, if there is, then these people are nuts. And that's probably no surprise. All right. Uh, let me give you one last example here. It's kind of fun. Uh, my insurance company mailed me a letter and they were suspicious that I might have had uh, insurance from another carrier. And so they asked me to prove that I did not have uh, other insurance or insurance from other carriers. That is to say, let me say it one more time, I want to be very clear because I'm not going to answer this. I want uh, you guys to try to answer this. My insurance carrier asked me to prove that I did not have other insurance. And so what is the probability, based on that information and other information that you're free to posit, but you must be very clear what it is. In other words, you must state what your premises are. Uh, and I'm not trying to be and Randian about that, but I am trying to be very explicit and very clear. So what is the probability that I can prove that I do not have other insurance? I want you guys to think about that and see if we can come up with an answer to it. 
All right, so we're done. We're done with the sort of first chapter. We're done with uh, logic. We're done with how logic fits in. And then we'll move on to now more practical things like how we can tell if dice are loaded, if coins are biased, uh, how we can tell, how I computed uh, the Lions have a certain probability of winning no games and all that kind of stuff. That is in the weeks ahead. Thanks for joining me. And again, if you're listening uh, not on the web, the website is wmbriggs.com. That is wmbriggs.com. B-R-I-G-G-S dot com. Thank you and see you next time.